If we were to name the biggest case against Christianity, what would it be? Let me put it this way. Why do most people say they don't want to come to church? The biggest case against Christianity, the biggest reason that many people will tell you that they have no interest in coming to your church is because of the lives of so-called Christians. And we can probably insert in there, it's because of the hypocritical, and actually the word hypocrite was just the word for actor back in New Testament times, so it means pretender, okay? So when we're talking about hypocrites, we're talking about pretending. Many people have no interest in God and in church because many people who call themselves Christians look a lot like pretenders and not like followers of God. Many of us have heard of the name of Mahatma Gandhi. Gandhi is recognized as one of the greatest leaders that the world's ever had, And once in his life, he began considering Christ. And so, like many people here in our country, he lived in India, but he visited a Christian church. And when he walked up to the door of that Christian church, an usher stopped him at the door and said, because you are not white, and because you are not of the upper caste of India, the upper society, societal class of India, because of those two reasons, you are not welcome in this, what? Church. You're not welcome to come here. It's said that Gandhi later went on to say that I would be a Christian if it were not for Christians. Wow. Now, I can't verify that. We can't say for sure that Gandhi would have given his life to Jesus Christ if, if Christians had been a better example. But, but the point's well taken, isn't it? That many times that we who call ourselves Christians are not truly representing what Christ says a Christian ought to be. I believe that God would agree with Gandhi's harsh evaluation that many of us claim to know and follow the Lord, but our life does not show it, or at least not very much. But if you look at God's Word, it's very clear. Truly, listen, truly living out the path that God has called us to live has a lot to do with showing whether you truly are a Christian. We're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about being for real. There's a difference, isn't there? Nobody's going to be perfect. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came to give His life for us. But if our lives have been changed by Him, we should be for real. We should be different. And so we're talking about this series that we're doing together. We're talking about... What is a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? I say that I'm a follower of Christ. I need to test that with what does the Bible say that really means. Not according to how I've defined it, but according to how God says in His Word, this is what it means to truly demonstrate that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. One of the biggest things is what we're going to talk about tonight. A Christian means that you live a life of obedience. It's about obedience. When we say that we are followers of Jesus, that we truly want to live out the life that God has called us to live. And I want to start out with this thought. How important, how critical, we're saying that if you're a Christian, obedience is absolutely critical. 
How critical does the Bible say it is for us to obey the life that God has called us to live? So I want to talk about, first of all, why obedience is so important. Now, I know when I say the word obedience, uh, kind of two things stick out for me. First of all, when you say the word obedience, even just me saying that, some people just kind of, just the word is strong, isn't it? Just to say the word obey. As Americans, we can't hardly think of a context when it sounds appropriate or for sure comfortable to say that we're going to obey. I think most of us parents in the room would vote for there's at least one circumstance, right? But it's difficult for us as Christians to consider that word being positive. It sounds so strong. And so if the word itself just sort of has such a negative connotation for you, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I suppose we could put it another way. What we're basically saying, it's an attitude of, okay, God, whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. Does that sound better? I mean, it's really just obedience, but, but, that, but really that's the concept. The concept because the, the idea, the terminology has such negative connotations to us many times. Just understand the concept. We're just saying, when God says, this is what I want you to do with your life, we say, okay, God, if I'm a Christian, that's what I want to do. But after defining it a little bit more, you might still say, no, I was okay with the terminology. It's the concept that I have trouble with. I don't know if I can say, God, whatever you want to do, that's what I'm going to do. If we're really honest, many of us would say that, wouldn't we? I don't know if that's where I truly am. God, you write the check. I'm going to write you a blank check and you fill it in. I do not know if I can honestly say that. That leads us to another thing. Obedience seems kind of strong, but it definitely seems kind of optional. Doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like, you know what? I really need to move more in that direction. Robbie's a big-time hedger. How about you? (laughs) Robbie always leaves some wiggle room. Amen? There's always always room for maybe me to reevaluate. I love this statement. Well, I know God says, fill in the blank, It's kind of like, you know, that girl that you really like, guys? You know, I really think you're nice in everything. Something's coming, what? But, right? I know God says, but, you know, I'm not so sure. I need to leave some room for me to every once in a while override things. We really feel that way about obedience, don't we? About truly following what God says we're to do with our lives. But let's see what the Word of God says. John chapter 14, verse 15. I mean, I'm just going to give it to you straight. I'm just going to give it to you, just a full dose, just a spoonful right here, okay? John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, these are those red words, okay? Jesus actually, literally, it came out of His human mouth when He was here walking on this earth. He said, if you love me, that's kind of another way of saying what? If you're a Christian... Right? Isn't that kind of the terminology we're using right now? Okay, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, if you love God, He says you will do what? Keep my commandments. Jesus made it very clear for us. If I love God, 
When God gives me something in His Word as direction, I am going to do what God says with my life. In fact, in this passage, it's really stated emphatically, as if to say it like this. Jesus says, okay, if you want to know who loves me, if you want, to, if you want a picture of who loves me, it's the one who has my commands and keeps them, and in fact, it's put in an ongoing way. He says, the one who loves me is the one who has my commands and is keeping them. And then it's put in almost an emphatic. He says, now that's the one who loves me. If you were just wondering tonight, who is truly a follower of mine is someone who understands what I'm calling them to do and is willing to follow that path. That is someone who truly loves me. 1 John chapter 2, verses 4-5. through In that passage it says, The one who says, you say it. The one who says, I have come to know Him. That's another way of saying what? I'm a what? I'm a Christian, right? The one who says that. If you're here tonight and you would say, I've come to know God personally and does not keep His commandments, this is kind of strong. Remember, Robbie sort of hedges. I like euphemisms and things like that. It's maybe not right where you exactly need to be. That's what I would have said. He says, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And what? The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, listen, friends, this message is tonight. God's not trying to no, God's not trying to, 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 to uh, condemn us. God's not trying to guilt us. God's trying to teach us 1 John, actually. If you're wondering what is the evidence of a Christian, you're probably hearing a lot in this series. 1 John talks a lot about if you truly are who you claim to be, this is what it looks like. And it says in this passage, in that person, whoever keeps his word, whoever obeys his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. Now listen, perfected doesn't mean that you've, uh, that you've reached the ultimate or that you're the perfect or you never get anything wrong. That word perfected is a word that means that something has come to completion. That it's reached maturity. Okay, So what this passage is saying is when someone is at a place in their life where they hear God's Word and they're keeping God's Word, that person, in that person, the love of God has reached its intended result. And God came to live in your heart. His intended result, the evidence that you have received that, is that you are looking to hear from God and that when you do, that you're willing to follow that direction. Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus talks about it at the end of history. In Matthew 7, 21, He says this, He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who claims, that's just another way of saying it, not everyone who claims that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of Jesus, is going to go to heaven, but he who does what? He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. James chapter 2, verse 14. This is a great passage. It says, what use is it, my brothers? Very practical. It says, what use is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? We're talking about the danger that many Christians, 
Many people across, especially this nation, say that I am a Christian. But what does the Bible really say constitutes being a Christian? So it says that if someone says, what use is it if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Now, some have translated that, can that kind of faith... So if I say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, this, you know, this is my faith, it says, okay, you can say that's your faith, but is that the kind of faith that a true Christian, a child of God has? Saying, I have faith, without follow-through, is no real trust in God at all. And again, I want to emphasize something to you. This seems to be very clear. Are you listening? This is not saying that you have to be a good person to get to heaven. Okay, let's make it very clear. Getting to heaven only comes by grace through faith in what God has done for me. Do you understand that? God does me a favor. He offers me this amazing gift, and all I do is receive that gift and trust in Him. But listen, but if you have truly come by faith through grace, true faith is going to show itself up in following God. That's what it's trying to say. Somebody said, while the grounds are the basis of our salvation is grace through faith alone, the test of our salvation is obedience. Are we truly willing to follow the one we say has changed our life? So we need to be honest tonight with ourselves because we need to. Am I a Christian? Have I truly given myself to God? If so, is that being demonstrated by a life that desires to live the purpose that God has, to live God's ways in my life? Because obedience is important if you're a Christian. But let's talk about what it looks like. Okay, it's absolutely critical for me to be, if I say I'm a follower of Christ, it's absolutely critical for me to actually be doing what? Following Christ. But let's talk about what that looks like for just a minute. Because do you ever find you come to church and you're challenged? Okay, I need to be obedient. I need to follow the Lord. We get challenged about something, but sometimes we don't know, okay, but what tracks do I run on? What, what, what am I supposed to do with that? I hear the challenge. I hear God calling me. But I need to know, what does this look like? So let's talk about, what does it look like to live a life of obedience? Write this down first of all. You need to know what God says for your life. How can I follow what I don't currently know? Isn't that true? Some of you are here tonight, and you're new to being a Christian. Or you're new to investigating the Christian faith, and you're trying to understand, what does it mean to be a Christian? What, is it, what does God say? What does God say that... He wants me to do with my life if I'm following Him. John uh, chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He says, My sheep, if you're one of... Isn't that another way of saying what? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Okay, Jesus is just using another picture there. He says, My sheep hear my voice. And good news is He knows you. Amen. And they follow me. Jesus says in order to follow Him, 
you first of all got to hear His voice. And I just want to ask you, I want to challenge you tonight. Are you putting yourself... Are you listening? Are you consistently putting yourself in a position to hear God speaking into your life? You know what? That seems so straightforward. That seems so kind of, you know, common sense that some of you right now are already moving on to the next point trying to guess what the blank is. Don't do that. Please don't miss this. I'm afraid that for Pastor Robbie's life, one of my biggest problems is not that I can't hear clearly, but it's that I'm not putting myself in a position to hear consistently. Would anybody agree with me? Amen? Jesus said, my sheep need to hear my voice. They're going to follow me when they hear my voice. But we've got to put ourselves in a position to know what God wants us to do with our lives. And then secondly, we've got to trust that. We've got to believe what God says. Remember, that's what the word believe in the Bible means. The word believe means to trust. It means to receive. John chapter 14, verse 21. Jesus said this, I memorized this uh, Scripture many years ago. He says, He who has My commandments and keeps them... Apparently, I didn't memorize it too well, did I? He who has My commandments and keeps them... Okay, that's the last part. Is the one who loves Me. Okay, Jesus said in John 14, 21, He wants us to have His commandments. That word have means to grasp. It means to grab hold of. It means to cling to. It means to let sink in. To comprehend it. To understand it. To study it so that I can, uh, so that I can absorb it. And understand what it is for my life and receive it. So it's not just hearing. Because some people say, well, Pastor Robbie, I come to church every weekend. And I listen to Christian radio. And, I, and I'm giving myself all. I read my Bible every day and all these different things. But listen, it's not just enough, the Bible says, to hear God's Word. We have to receive it. We have to comprehend it. We have to grab hold of it. We have to chew on it. We have to let it sink down into our hearts to internalize it, to personalize it. That's why Jesus said, listen, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what I'm saying. I imagine if I had been sitting in that crowd, I would have said, well, obviously I heard what you said. I was sitting right here. But he was saying, like many of us, many times we hear God's voice, but we don't receive it, do we? We don't trust in it. We don't give our hearts to it. We don't open ourselves up to cling to it, to grab hold of it. It is absolutely critical if you're going to be a follower of Christ and obey His commands, you've got to first of all hear what they are, and then we're talking about a level of response. That when I hear it, I grab hold of it. I respond to it. I let it sink in deeper. But then truly, if you do truly trust and believe, that's going to lead to the next thing. Number three, you've got to do what it says. Do what God says. And there's two parts to this. The first one I'll focus on is just living it out. Did you notice in John chapter 14, verse 21, the first part of that verse... He said, he who has my commands and keeps them. Friend, this is very important. God's purpose 
all along for us was to learn it so that we would live it. This is so important. One of my kids this week, we've been talking about uh, one of our kids wanted to do a raised garden, wanted to do some vegetables and do a raised garden. So we went on the internet and we talked to some people here at church and we stopped by a nursery and we did some research and we found out different things we could plant and all this kind of stuff. Was that because we were doing a survey? Was that because, well, we were just curious? No. In fact, I would rather not have to do all the research. I just want a garden. Amen? I just want, I actually want more than that. I want vegetables. I don't care if I have a garden. I just want fresh vegetables, right? So my point was not to just go out and, oh, hey, let's, uh, let's go out and do a survey. Let's go find out what grows well in this area and what the temperature's got to be and how deep the soil's got to be and how much room you need and how much sunlight. And then after that, we'll just go on and do something else. That wasn't the point. The point was I want some vegetables. Amen? <laughs> I think for my son, it was, I want a garden. We worked together to make it happen. Well, we'll, we'll let you know how it turns out. <laughs> but listen, this is, please don't miss this. This is a huge disconnect for many people who call ourselves Christian. The point from God is not go to church to just learn some information. That is not the point. Listen to me very clearly. The point is, live for God. Amen? Live for God. There's going to be more amen than that. Amen? The point is, live for God. And oh, by the way, if you're going to, you're going to have to learn some information. Does that make sense? That's why I treat my Bible a lot less like a relic than I do a guidebook. This is my journal. i got to get another one. I had to actually, part of the verses I'm reading, I had to tape in my Bible because it's tearing apart. I need another Bible, amen? But I say, you know what? This is my journal. This is my guidebook. I'm learning it so that I can live it. In fact, uh, there's a popular uh, Christian radio program, and that's their tagline. It's where the learning is for living. And that should not be unique. That should not be, oh, that's kind of their thing. God's purpose all along has been, listen, not that we would just be merely intellectuals. And by the way, we Christians could be a little bit more intellectual sometimes, okay? But it's not merely that we would be intellectuals, but God primarily wants us to be practitioners. I want to know how to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to live for God. I want to walk with Him. I want to see His purpose for my life. How do I do that? Pastor Robbie, read your Bible. Pastor Robbie, come to church. Pastor Robbie, get in a group. Get involved. Serve. Live it out. Be around other people. Amen? Because the learning is for living. Remember James chapter 2, verse 14? This is very important. The Bible says, What use is it, my brothers, if we say we have faith in Christ, but we don't do anything with that. I'm paraphrasing it. Can that kind of claim to faith really be saving faith? Wow. Wow. 
If there's a disconnect there for you, let God speak to you about that tonight. Do what God says. It's talking about living. Listen, I want you to write down number four. Again, do what God says. But, but I want us to talk about specifically about sin for just a moment. We're talking about obedience tonight. We're talking about following God. We're talking about responding to His direction. So we obviously need to consider for just a moment, if we're talking about obedience, it's impossible to talk about that without considering our approach to sin for just a moment. And we need to just kind of put something out on the table for just a second. As Christians, we are way too comfortable with sin. The Bible uses language about how we're to approach sin. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 says, There should not even be a hint in my life. Now listen, there you go. You're saying, Pastor Robbie, here's that perfect church stuff again. I can't do that, I'm checking out. If you want to do that, you can do that, but that's not true. That's not what we're talking about. Nobody can live a perfect life. But if my life has been changed by Jesus Christ, I should not be comfortable with sin in my life. I should have a desire at least. I'm not seeing it fulfilled yet. But hopefully more than last week, amen? Hopefully if you knew me 15 years ago, and I'm glad you didn't know me more than that, hopefully you could see a difference in my life, right? Because it's my desire for sin to be minimized and ultimately buried in my life. Because we need to think about it like this, how much of not God's way do I want in my life? 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, in, in talking about a specific sin, it says, don't even go near it. Don't play around with it. All of that points us, all of that language points us towards a life of following Christ that's not looking for loopholes. It's not looking for how close I can get to wrong or how far I can go. It's desiring to make sure with God's help to the best of my ability that every part of my life is honoring to Him. If obedience is your leaning, this is at the very least what we're saying. If obedience is the leaning of your life, you should be very uncomfortable disobeying God. Right? That should not be okay. It should bother me. It should not be something I want present in my life. 1 John chapter 3 talks about this sin sensitivity. It says, No one who is born of God practices Sin. Are we going to sin? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says there are some people in the world that says, oh, I've, I've reached the point where I no longer sin anymore. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, wrong. Okay? There is nobody who will stop sinning. But that's not a cop-out for us to say, well then, oh well. Okay? What the Bible says is that if I've been born of God, I no longer can practice sin. Because His seed abides in me, and He cannot sin, He cannot continue going on sin, because He's been born of God. It's by our very nature. Listen, it's part of the evidence that you are a child of God. Listen, if you can't stand it anymore, because when you do wrong, you can't get away with it, or you don't like it, or it's no fun anymore, that's actually good. 
If you can no longer enjoy doing something that you know dishonors God, that's actually good. Be encouraged today. Child of God. That's some of the evidence that you are him, His child. Many of us are way too comfortable living with sin. And that should cause us to ask some questions. Listen, here's how we usually think of it. Again, back to the optional thing. When we think about our house, okay? When we think about our house, okay, if you think about dirt in your house, okay? Does anybody want dirt in your house? Is anybody okay with dirt being in your house? No, I think most of us would say, if there's dirt in my house, I want to get rid of it. But the fact of the matter is, we have to learn to live with some dirt, right? There are some parts of our house that maybe aren't as clean as they need to be. So we tend to just kind of get used to that. Okay, I need to keep my house clean, but you know, nobody's perfect. That is typically how we approach sin in our lives. But maybe we should take it up a notch and think of it like this. Sin is not like having a little dirt and dust around your house. Sin is like having a poisonous snake free. I don't even have to ask him. I know the answer. If there was a poisonous snake loose in our house, Robbie's not going to bed tonight. Amen? In fact, she's gone. She has temporarily removed herself until, and maybe longer until Robbie shows evidence that all the snakes are gone. Amen? We should move more towards that image. I don't like that. It's not perfection. It's not goody two-shoes. It's not holier than thou. It's just, I've had enough of that snake stuff. Amen? Amen, anybody? Amen. I've had enough of that. I've seen glimpses of God. Everything I've seen, He's been good. He's been good at. He produces well. So it's my heart. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to be better than anybody else. I just... I just want to follow God. I just don't want there to be any more snakes. I know there are, God. Would you help me get the snakes out? The remaining ones, I know there are. But it's our heart to eradicate everything in our lives that is not pleasing to you. That's what obedience looks like. It looks like I have a desire to honor God with my whole heart. last thing is this, when obedience gets hard... You know, I think that's kind of self-explanatory as we've talked about it tonight. Obedience is a challenging direction for my life, isn't it? Following Christ, doing His will, accepting His purpose, His call is difficult. It's going to be hard sometimes to obey. Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus says, The Spirit sometimes is willing, but the flesh is weak. Would you agree with that? I mean, when I've given my life to Christ, I want to do the right thing. I want to follow the Lord, but I don't always follow through with that. We understand that. But I want to talk about some of the times when it's hardest to follow the Lord. Some of the times I've found when it's hardest to obey. First of all is when you don't feel like it. You ever have times like that? You ever have times when you know what the right thing to do is, you don't even have to pray about it, you don't have to read a verse, you know what God wants you to do, but I just don't want to. Amen? That's that sin nature, isn't it? Coming out of me. That big eye in the middle. You can't spell sin without an eye in the middle, can you? 
That big eye in the middle pops up and says, well, I think I'd like to do my way, or I think I know better, or I just don't want to. We struggle with that. Second time is when it doesn't make sense. Friends, I want us to think about these things tonight because somebody here tonight is either right in the middle of it or I promise you if you're not, it is coming very soon. There is going to come a time when it does not make sense to you what God says. In my head, I read that and I know that that's what God says, but in my heart, I just don't want to do that. I don't agree with that. It doesn't seem right to me. You ever have that happen? I see a couple of head nods and the rest of you just being silent just to leave me hanging. What about when it costs? Aren't there times when it costs to obey God? Aren't there times when, when I don't want to do it because I know this is going to... It's not easy to do what God says I should do? What about this? What about when you're being hit hard by life? Sometimes you just say, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Amen? I'm tired. I don't, I don't know if I want to care anymore. Amen? I just want to just kind of go limp and just do whatever. Why do I have to care anymore? And then sometimes when you're tempted, there's times when I see something that I like. It seems appealing to me. You've heard me say before, nobody'd sin if it wasn't fun doing it. Amen? There's something about it that draws us. And so we look at that. We know that God says it's not good, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do. When you don't feel like it, when it doesn't make sense, when it costs, when you're being hit hard by life, when you're tempted. I'm sure we could think of all sorts of scenarios, but let me just say this. Listen to me very carefully. There will come a moment There will come a day. There will come a season of your life when you are just at a point for whatever reason that you are not sure if you're going to obey God. It's coming. And I cannot say this to you strongly enough. Right now, while it does make sense, Right now, while your heart is open, right now, while you're surrounded by all these people that are agreeing with you, right now, make a decision that in that moment, with God's help, by God's grace, I'm going to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. Right now, will you decide, God, it's not a matter of if it's coming, it is going to come again. And when that comes, I cannot appeal to you enough. I can look back over my life, and some of them have been fairly recent. At times in my life, when I had decisions to make and choices, and it just did not make sense to me, or I did not like it, or I didn't want to, or whatever, and I cannot tell you, I cannot appeal to you strongly enough. In those moments, you think to yourself, I just don't want to. I just don't think it makes sense. I'm just not going to. But I can't help it. He lives in me. He lives in me. Amen? He lives in me. And in this moment, 
it does not make sense, or I do not like it, or I do not want it, or it's kind of hard. But I cannot tell you, and if this is you, please back me up with some amen. I cannot tell you how many times. It might be three hours later. It might be a day and a half later. It might be two months later or a year later. And I look back and I say, thank you, God. Ah, oh, I was so, what? Close. I was so close. That was the most vulnerable. That was the weakest point I've ever been to in my life. Or the longest, or the first time that I have in a while, and I was so close. But God, thank you that you live in my heart. Thank you that you spoke to me. Thank you that by your grace, it's no credit to me, because everybody, we all know, God, where I was going in that moment. Thank you that you gave me the ability to just trust you even when I didn't like it, it didn't make sense, or it cost something, God, I now I look and I say, that was exactly the right thing. Amen? That was just the right thing to do. I did not lose anything by trusting you. In fact, it was the absolute best thing for my life and everybody else involved. There is somebody here tonight Maybe you came to church saying, God, I'm right there. I am right there. It doesn't make sense to me. I want to do this. I like to do this. I have to do this. It's easier to do this. And God, if you do not speak to me very clearly tonight, I am going to do what I think is best. Can I be... God's warning sign to you tonight. If you know what God wants you to do, tonight would you choose? God, I don't like it. I don't understand it. It's not what I would choose. God, this is going to cost me something. Lord, I'm tired. God, I have nowhere else to go. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one who saved me. You've been faithful to me. Amen? You've been good to me. And I'm going to continue to trust you. And even when it doesn't make sense, I know that down the road I'll look back and it'll make perfect sense. But I don't need anything. I'm going to obey you. Because I'm a follower of Jesus. I cannot implore you enough. Listen, if you're a child of God... You'll still be a child of God. But you might have a lot of damage to deal with. Amen, anybody? I thank God for the times I made the choice. I thank you for the grace to help me recover from the times I didn't. Somebody needs that tonight, don't you? You're a child of God here tonight, and you made some choices not to obey. But you know in your heart that that was not reflective that you don't love God or that you're not His child. He's in your heart. And you made a mistake. Would you come to Him tonight and say, Jesus, please cleanse me of that. I don't like that. I don't want that to define me. I want to start fresh here tonight. I am your child. And I want that to show through my life tonight. You need to get something right with God. Maybe something major right. 
Don't bully your family. You need to apologize to a boss or a coworker. You need to humble yourself. Tonight, if you are a child of God, you can't help it. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I got to go with Jesus. Amen. I don't have anywhere else to go. Wherever he's going, that's where we're going. If that's your heart tonight, that's some really good evidence. You're his child. Be encouraged tonight. If you're not a Christian here tonight, we're not saying you got to be way up here and then God will meet you there. No, what we're saying is God meets you right where you're at. And he takes you wherever he wants you to be. Tonight, would you receive the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness that's being offered to you? Just say, God, have mercy on me. I have messed up. I've said no to you so many times, I don't even remember. I can't count. But God, today I fall at your feet for mercy, and he will forgive if you'll trust him tonight. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. Ask him to lead your life from this point forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us tonight. These, these words are, are hard. But God, we thank you that ultimately your commandments are not burdensome. That your yoke is easy. And your burden is light. You're bringing us truth and the truth will set us free, not bind us and hold us down. So help us by faith to trust that what seems hard to us is the path and the words of life from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.